Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Ted Nugent. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and today is January 11th in the year 2023. And tonight we have the one and only Uncle Ted. I think Shemaine's going to join us too. It's going to be awesome. He's got some great things to talk about in really putting our foot down to take this nation back, which is exactly what he does all the time. If you've not been in one of his concerts and seen what he does to shake the world or listen to Ted's podcast, I'm telling you right now, it's amazing. And I'm just really honored to have him on today. Before we begin, a very appropriate ad for tonight of one of our sponsors, Make sure you keep your home defense plan in order. You know how passionate I am about our Constitution and especially the Second Amendment, but just as passionate about being responsible and protecting my family. I discovered the perfect way to train with your firearm in the comfort of your own home and continue to improve your skills. It's called iTarget Pro, and this system is a game changer for me. All I did was download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into my firearm, and start training. The system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. Right now, save 10% plus get free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to itargetpro.com. With the cost of ammo through the roof, this is the perfect solution for you. That's the letter itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com. The offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you definitely need. Practice, practice, practice. It's what we all need to do. It's at some crazy times, and we know it, and we know we have a government and people that are completely out over the top and out of control with authority. And I'm going to tell you, if there is, there is really no better way to bring people in and to literally get people engaged than to talk to someone who understands the rules more than anybody, and that's Ted Nugent. So hang on just a second when we get the audio set. Trying to, there we go. Are you on? I'm on. Are you on? I am. How are you, Ted? You know, I'm doing so good at stupid, Scott. And by the way, I want all your listeners to know that you're not just a great American and a great guy, but from Detroit and from the Nugent Ranch, you're one bad mofo. So a big <laughs> salute to you. And clearly, clearly, Scott, you deserve me. So God bless you. You know, we didn't invent the middle finger, but you have finely tuned it to a very effective gesture. So God bless you. <laughs> hey, Scott, I want I wanted to say hello to to and thank you for what you're doing because you have awakened so many people and helped them put their eyes forward, eyes on Christ, and really relieve so much stress that's going on in the world, but also inform and educate us. And I'm so happy that I've been able to connect you and Ted. So I'm going to let you guys take it away. Yeah, well, Jermaine knew that we deserved each other. Right? <laughs> that's absolutely true. Well, I'm really honored to have you both on today. And I don't know, just so you know, this is a really a big birthday present for me today too, Ted. So thank you for being on. 
Oh, today is Today's your birthday. It Happy is. birthday to you. Well, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. What a perfect That's day. Perfect. How, how old are you, Scott? I'm actually, I'm 58. Can you believe it? Well, I'm. I just turned 74, and I know you respect your elders, so a big happy <laughs> birthday to you and a happy birthday to me. Shemaine will be 61 in July, and it's a very important time to celebrate because uh, every year that God allows us to continue this American dream, we have an obligation to do his work. So bards of war, we've got the armor of God, and I'm proud to share that, that, that attitude, that spirit, and that energy with you. So happy birthday, and thank you again for uh, the sacrifices and the risks that you take to inform people that uh, in in so many instances, I was going to say most cases, and it, there was a time it probably was most cases, but now there's an awakening. And uh, now there's still a lot of people that are just clueless. So I hope everybody that joins Scott Kesterson and becomes bards of war, that you share this information and this up this upgrade in awareness with everybody you know, because it's not just who listens to you, Scott, but everybody that listens to you, and we nod our head because truth, logic, and common sense is easily grasped. We need to make sure that everybody listens to you, goes out and spreads that word with people at church and school, the workplace, deer camp, the bowling alley, the barbecue, the shooting range. We need to spread this word because there is treachery at unprecedented levels right now where the enemies of mankind infest our government, big tech, media, uh, Walmart, Hollywood, academia, really all the power horses, they're all evil. They're not just negative and they don't have a different opinion. They're absolutely evil. So we need to spread that word. And you're doing God's work. We're proud to join you, man. Well, thank you, Ted. I'm really honored. Seriously. You know, I, I, I mentioned it at the beginning in the intro to the show. And, and if people haven't listened to your show or haven't been in your concerts, you talk about pushing truth. You did 70 concerts this last year. Is that right on that tour? 70 different venues? Yeah, just somewhere between 66 and 70, but I did my 6,757. That's 6,757 <laughs> concert. Of course, that goes all the way back to the sock hops in 1957 and pool parties. And I think Marilyn McMillan's birthday party in her basement, there were six of us playing pool and I played my guitar. It was a damn concert. So I, I counted all of them. That's 6,757 I've done. And I'm, for me to be able to tell you at the tender age of, 60, of 74, 2022 was the greatest tour of my life. Greg Smith on bass guitar, Jason Hartless on drums, the best crew in the world, the best team with Linda and Doug, all my team. It was just an absolute holy war of rhythm and blues and rock and roll, the tightest band, the most fun songs, the greatest guitar tone, the most pounding James Brown Motown Funk Brother rhythm section. So that proves that even old guys like Ted Nugent, I cheat because I'm clean and sober. So I have a little, I have a little edge on everybody else. But when you're clean and sober and you really thank God every day for the precious gift of life and all the all the resources that we're we're, we're enriched with 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 his gifts and you put them to use for I mean, not just music but welding welding and teaching and policing and farming uh for me to be able to say it was the greatest tour of my life that proves that we can improvise adapt and overcome and you're never done till you give up so let's make sure we never give up absolutely well before we get into some of the things we really want to dig into tonight, I want to talk about one thing which was on your tour. I think, and I think you played that with this specific guitar in Dallas. And it's that one guitar that has incredible feedback that only you can play. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because it was the most awesome moment to watch you play that 
wild guitar. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of audio. You talk about this. <laughs> Something like that? Yeah, that would be the one. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nine. I always, I'm always got my a, a couple of Glocks, about four extra magazines, and a Gibson Birdland handy. Um, it's a Gibson Birdland uh, created by Hank Garland and Charlie Bird. It's a thin line jazz guitar with a hand carved uh, spruce arch top that has a real vocalization, a real lyricism if you if you uh, approach it properly. But it was made as a jazz guitar, but. <laughs> I fix that, um, even though I play jazzy stuff. But when you when you pound and you learn your your musical dreams from a Chuck Berry and a Bo Diddley and a Little Richard, of course, Lonnie Mack and Dwayne Eddy and and the Ventures and all these original pioneers. And by the way, Scott, happy birthday to you! And we're celebrating that with much aplomb. But today is also a very sad day since we're talking guitars. We just lost Jeff Beck. Yeah, I saw that. That's really info, really Beck something. Is such influence in fact i'll play a couple of i'll play a do you mind if i play a couple of jeff beck moves oh please this is awesome jeff beck all guitar players all guitar players learn from jeff beck um here's over under sideways down on the yard burst the lick he he invented this as a teenager <laughs> Something like that. And then there's always. Um, everything. So many grooves and lyrical vocalizations from the instrument. Jeff Beck, as a teenager, really uh, set the stage for uh, that style of electric guitar playing that he invented. So we're, we're sad that we lost the man, but like when we lost Eddie Van Halen and Chuck Berry and we lose all the greats, um, his music will live forever. In the wind, Jeff Beck and his fortifying, enriching musical uh, uh, adventure will be with us forever. You're one of the, like, one of the remaining old-time legends in in rock guitar right now. Well, I'm certainly old-time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I learned from the greats. I, was, I, I remain uh, dangerously uh, borderline, well, deep into the border of maniacal, um, and my passion for the guitar. I play my guitar every day. I, I really love it. Um, but it was those early inventive years that Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and Little Richard, and Little Richard wasn't a guitar player, but the way he attacked the piano, him and Jerry Lee Lewis, um, there was an uppity, a defiance, a, an irreverence <laughs> while still maintaining musical integrity, which is, is quite quite an accomplishment, the two extremes. So in 2022, we're now in 2023, um, I wrote a new instrumental called Butterfingers. <laughs> Seems appropriate the way I fly across the neck. Um, I, I, I never stop pursuing uncharted musical territory. In fact, what you saw in Dallas on my Gibson, my 1962 Gibson Birdland, 
um, I was playing notes that God was angry about. He hadn't authorized them yet. And I went into uncharted territory. <laughs> but but that's that adventure. I like to think that I'm Lewis and Clark and maybe Shemay would be Sacagawea. When it comes to guitar playing, um, we're still looking for the Northwest Passage. So that that's my energy and my piss and vinegar factor regarding musical adventure and my mystical flight of the arrow, archery, samurai, martial arts. The way I play guitar, I think we talked about this backstage. The way I approach the guitar is like a martial arts. I really pray to God that I can find new intellect, new spirit, new adventure, new dreams, new hopes sonically and deliver them on my instrument. I'd like to think that in this day and age where a mediocrity is celebrated and you get a job without any qualifications, only if you're gay or a certain color, um, <laughs> that, that, that met, uh, being the best that you can be still matters. And that's why I rave about Jason Hartless on drums and Greg Smith. And in fact, all my musicians, my God, going back to the Amboy Dukes and, and, and the, the damn Yankees and all my bands, my God, I've had the greatest musical geniuses and work ethic gentlemen at my side all my life. So 40 million records isn't just because of my smart ass. It's because of the incredible quality of, of working class musical heroes that I've always been surrounded by. I would like to make one correction. Oh, yeah. May. Yeah. I think God was very happy with what you did. I think God wants us to use our gifts and talents. I agree. You, you are celebrating those gifts and talents and sharing them with other people. So that's the, the yeah, correction. Yeah, I was just being a smart ass. <laughs> well, you know, it's I'm going to say something. Talents. I, I didn't invent the middle finger, but like you, Scott, I did perfect it long ago. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, Patriots, if, if you've never seen Uncle Ted play, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> It is like watching somebody go into another world on the stage. The way your hands move, the way you command that guitar, and the way you bring that audience to its feet, it is stunning. And it is really a whole other level of guitar music. And whether you like rock, blues, or not, it is something that will move you either way. Most amazing experience I've ever had watching you up front on that stage, Ted. Just amazing. And you are truly, truly a master of the instrument. It's beautiful to watch. Well, thank you very much. I've, I've always, I do a lot of interviews because I like to celebrate my music and I celebrate my politics. I'm a, I'm a constitutionalist and I'm a free man. God made me that way. So I do a lot of interviews because I'm able to articulate it in such a fashion. And I've always said when inquired about my musical approach and my musical ideas, I, 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 I use the term out of body. It really is a trance and it's a, it's a unique trance because I, I'm also a sheriff deputy and I've done federal raids and kicked down the doors of rapists and murderers and carjackers. And you get into a, a tacky psyche. I don't know if you know the term, yes. but it's a tunnel vision where you don't lose focus on beyond the tunnel. You're, you're, you, you're looking for the perpetrator and your safety's off and your finger's not along the side of the, the trigger guard, your finger's on the trigger. And when I'm playing guitar, I'm in a trance, but I'm also able to dodge, you know, projectiles when some <laughs> drunken idiot throws something at me. I've actually been in the middle of a, an out-of-body guitar solo and and caught a projectile. <laughs> so it's a it's a it's a, a quite a juxtaposition of uh, of entrancement and a higher level of awareness that it, it, I I think I'm explaining it as best as it can be explained, but I think. Even my my best mechanic, when they lay down under my bronco and they hear 
the V8 uh, uh, running, they can tell which cylinder is, is off timing because they're they're like, yeah. like a samurai mechanic. You know what I mean, Scott? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. These guys, especially these tacticians, the Delta Force guys and the SEALs and the Rangers and the Green Berets that I train with, I mean, they're the ones who, who enhanced my desire and my capability to reach higher levels of awareness that that will manifest itself in archery. And I killed two does tonight with my bow and arrow, and I, I'm a sneaky, stealthy. Oh, did you get two tonight? With, with that bow and arrow. You got two tonight? Yeah, I got two tonight, yeah. All right, well, Patriots, I just need to say this. This is something really important. I think you told us on the at the concert. You got to get a little guts under the fingernails to make it all come alive, right? Scott, uh, Scott, uh, I've been clean and sober my whole life, and I, I've always celebrated that's because I was raised as a bow hunter, and I, I wanted to get close to game because you have to with a bow and arrow, um, and I wanted that so intensely that when this lie of peer pressure was starting to surface, I didn't recognize it. I just dismissed it and, and did, did not, defied it. I'm a defiant guy. I love defiance. It's my favorite. And and I knew that if I would pr- participate in the drug and alcohol drool fest, there's no way I could be stealthy and, and, and attuned in to my reasoning predatorship to get close to a deer. So I wanted to kill a deer so bad. And I, I know, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm really high energy. I'm really an uppity guy (laughs) and high energy uppity guys do not make good sneaky bow hunters because you have to be silent, stealthy, and slow. But that taught me to be silent and stealthy and slow. And I defied the, the hippie generation with the drug and alcohol insanity and I apply that that spirit of entunement. And again, I the great Apache chief, I, I believe, said, God has already given us everything we need. We just need to acknowledge it, cultivate it, nurture it, hone it, and utilize it. Oh, absolutely. That's what I've done, That's what I've done all my life. You have become one of the most powerful voices out here, not only for 2A, but wildlife management. And this was kind of what we sparked on today earlier, where this how they are encroaching on all of this. What's your thoughts there? Well, yeah, you uh, had played a, a piece about a guy who was confronted by law enforcement. Let's make it perfectly clear. I am 100% gung-ho extreme pro-law and order and pro-law enforcement. And I've been a sheriff deputy since 1984. I've done federal raids with the uh, U.S. Marshals and the and the and the uh, Texas Rangers and with a bunch of good FBI, DEA and ATF agents, because there, there, there used to be a bunch of good ones. I suspect they might still be, but if they were really good ones, they'd be blowing whistles right now. Yep. Um, that being said, um, there's also, we witness the heartbreak of heartbreaks in law enforcement uh, in Uvalde, where they, they abandoned their, their oath. Yes, they, they abandoned did. their, their job description they abandoned their 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 call um and they hung out in the hallways and let people die um so we know that there's good bad and ugly in every persuasion and it includes uh law enforcement well there are laws in michigan that are so absurd so arbitrary so unfounded so anti-wildlife anti-hunting for example forever it was against the law in Michigan to hunt out of a tree. And my immediate instinct, even though I wasn't an activist at the time, I went, 
what man could possibly have authority over my tree climbing? <laughs> and of course, even as a dumb kid, I went, well, the answer to that is there is no man that has authority over whether I climb a tree or not. It's uh, the, uh, uh, Wildlife management and the regulations uh, governing it should be based on wildlife science, real science, sustained yield. What will this resource sustain in an annual harvest that is essential to reduce that population that was exploding in the spring and summer to be able to sustain itself through the death of winter where the vegetation and the habitat was optimum in spring and summer. God has a brilliant idea. But in the winter, there's not that support habitat anymore. It's dead. It's frozen. It's gone. It died. So the population has to be reduced to not overcome that sustained habitat. Like, duh, even the author of Wango Tango can figure this stuff out. So when they have a law against climbing trees, I fight against it. I defy it. I will not obey that. Uh, they have a law, you have to have your bow in a case. What role does a bow case play in wildlife management? Of course, none. Here's another one. In, in Michigan, we grow more doves, more morning doves, the number one game species in the world. The morning dove is the most hunted family hours of recreation, revenue generating outdoor activity on planet Earth. The morning dove is a federal migratory game bird. It's delicious. There are gazillions of them. They produce gazillions of them. And we need to harvest an adequate number before the nesting season so they don't destroy their habitat. Duh. In Michigan, Scott, we grow more morning doves than we do quail, pheasant, woodcock, grouse, and sandhill, and all the other game birds combined. And Michigan lies and says it's a songbird. There's a picture of a dove on a Remington 12-gauge shotgun box. Nobody can show me a shotgun shell box with a picture of a cardinal on it. They don't put songbird pictures on shotgun shell boxes. <laughs> so I've got a I've written my own citation book. And I I will defy and I will be polite and respective. But if a game warden or law enforcement comes up to me and tells me I can't keep and bear arms, it doesn't say keep in case. It doesn't say keep and safe. It doesn't say keep and hide. It doesn't say keep in gun range. It says keep and bear. That means I can have it on my person. In Michigan, it's got to be in a case. It's, it's absurd. So here's my citation book that I've given out to about 100 of my buddies. And we don't want to be mean. We don't want to be confrontational. Well, I was going to say we don't want to be confrontational, but that's exactly what we want to be because we've been stepped on. We've been overpowered by arbitrary, punitive, capricious, no authority, uh, people who think they have the authority. And it goes like this, Scott. May I read my citation book? Oh, please. Absolutely. This is the book I've distributed to my friends. It's, a, it's the actual same size as law enforcement citation book. And if I get confronted by a game warden because I haven't got my gun in a case or I haven't got my bow in a case or I spill corn on my farm for deer or I shoot a dove, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confront them. I'm going to be very polite and go, officer, I, I, before we get started, I have a few things I want to review with you. I need to see your driver's license. I need to see some identification. I see you got a badge and I see it says TJ Smith. I need to know what TJ stands for and I need some identification. Give me your driver's license. This guy won't know whether to poop or go blind because I'm, I'm not taking his crap. And then I take out my citation book and I read the following. We the people have the authority on this date, blank, at this time, blank, 
location blank, I, Ted Newton, a free American being of sound mind, body, conscious, heart, and soul as a dedicated, lawful, ethical conservationist supporter, do hereby charge, T.J. Smith, badge number blank, with the following offenses and crimes. Number one, hunter harassment. It's against the law to harass hunters. Hunter harassment intentionally disrupting my peaceable and critical time of field. Your second violation is violating the Fourth Amendment, having no probable cause to confront me. Number three, trespassing. Number four, illegally and arbitrarily enforcing illegal laws and regulations in defiance of Proposition G. We passed Proposition G in Michigan, which forces by law the Game Department and the Natural Resource Commission that they have to have, quote, sound science for every game law. In defiance of Proposition Z, as no sound science exists to interfere with baiting, dove hunting, harvesting and consuming sandhill cranes, the gross irresponsible mismanagement of wolves and numerous other flawed anti-science regulations that hamper wildlife management and punitively harass hunting families. Number five, infringing on my Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms, not to keep and case arms. I'm keeping and bearing I'm legal. You're infringing. You're the criminal. Number six, causing undue trauma by ruining my sacred time of field by your abusive power. And the seventh violation, bullying. Think you have any authority to do any of the above. Signed, Ted Nugent, and signed as, I'm going to make him sign it. And the copy is going to the attorney general, my attorney, the district attorney, county prosecutors, and he gets a copy. I like this. I like it because everything they're doing is out. For example, for years, the law everywhere, if you see a deer caught in a fence, half eaten by a coyote, struggling and being tortured and suffering, by law, you had to call a guy. Who could possibly take care of this condition better than me? I will answer that. Nobody. <laughs> I'm not going to call a guy. I'm going to shoot the deer and put it out of its misery. That would be the ethical thing to do. The law is unethical. We change that, but we only change it because we raised hell. And here's the point. Here's the point of bards of war. We the people. Let me, let me put it real simple. People are listening to me. I do my own Ted Nugent Real America Voice Spirit Campfire podcast. I have the nightly news. We have the Ted Nugent Spirit of the Wild. I write books. I write articles. I do speaking presentations. And I raise hell for the stage in a very entertaining fashion, I might add. Um, <laughs> yes, I, Ted Nugent, the Hellraiser, the, the czar of the middle finger, I am exactly what the founding fathers wanted every American to be, to be suspicious of all authority, to demand constitutional accountability from every one of our elected employees, from dog catcher to mayor to state, to, to state police commander, to the sheriff, to the chief of police, to my senator, my congressman, my government. We, the people, are supposed to participate in this sacred experiment in self-government, the only one in the history of humankind, and demand accountability from the people we hire to represent us based on the words of iron in their oath to the Constitution. And here we are in 2023, where none of them are accountable. I love Lauren Bobert. I love Marjorie Taylor Greene. I love Chip Roy. I love a bunch of them. 
but they're not raising adequate hell. They're bringing doilies to a gunfight. I recommend you get an A-10 warthog and bring it to a discussion. <laughs> that would be Any a question. <laughs> I don't think there's anything left on that one. That's great. <laughs> Hey, this, take, this, but do you agree? I, you know, people are news is an extremist. Well, you're damn right I am. I'm extremely free and I'm in charge. Exactly. I think this is the whole problem we have right now is there's this apprehension to just stand up. And I think a lot of it roots to what you're just saying. People don't know their laws and don't know their rights. And what you've articulated here is a, a, basically a schematic, a framework, where you follow this, you're literally speaking to your rights. And I would encourage as well as if people read this and use this, which I'm hoping I can get a copy and we can put it up on the website. So Yes, I will. I'll send you a copy. But every state, every jurisdiction, every city, every suburb, every, every all across the Fruited Plains, there are regulations and laws that can only be classified as bizarre, just bizarre law I, I was driving in the middle of the night uh, coming from a deer camp up there near uh, abilene and it's pitch black it's a, an overpopulated deer area and in front of my suburban i have some high intensity off-road racing lights i'm the only car on the road it's pitch black there are deer behind every bush i'm using these auxiliary lights to make sure i don't hit a deer I get so this. far I, doesn't this make sense well i went by a cop on the side of the road, and I'm doing 75 and a 75, which, by the way, is the first time I think I've ever done the speed limit. And the cops <laughs> lights it up, and he comes behind me, and I'm going, well, maybe you recognize me. He wants to see what ammo I recommend. <laughs> but he pulled me over and said, you know, those lights are illegal. And I went, wait a second, officer, am I still in Texas? Did I, did I miss a turn and end up in New Jersey? You're telling me on a pitch black night in heavily populated deer country on this highway at 75 miles an hour, are you going to try to make the point that less light is better than more light? Because that's scary because you know, that's insane. And that I have auxiliary lights to make it safer is against the law means you need to go to back to your state trooper commander and you need to recommend they get rid of that law because I'm doing a smart thing. The law is stupid. It is. And he, he, he agreed. And I said, if they're oncoming traffic, if I have my regular bright lights on, I immediately dim them. Well, of course, if I have auxiliary lights on and I see an oncoming vehicle, of course, I'm going to back them off. It doesn't make any difference whether it's gonzo candle power uh, auxiliary racing lights or just high beams. Of course, you back them down. And of course, Scott, you know me. I'm the first one to always back them down. I don't want to bring unnecessary and, and distracting light into oncoming traffic. They always back theirs down after I back mine down. <laughs> um, so, so I made that point. But I, I, we could, you and I, could spend a hundred hours and never, never fail every two minutes to come up with examples. In some states, there's a minimum draw weight for a bow, which means Shemaine and I couldn't even hunt in that state, and we kill everything we shoot at because their minimum draw weight is arbitrary, and the guy who made the law isn't even a bow hunter. And I only shoot a 30-pound 30 30 pounds, and her arrows go through 700-pound <laughs> African Gemsbach and Oryx. It's it's about and shot zebra, placement. And, yes. and kudu and whitetail. Shemaine kills everything. Watch Shemaine's watch Queen of the Forest on Ted Nugent's Spirit of the Wild, now on the Pursuit Network. But and I got a big one the other day, honey. Got a great... Tell, tell Scott what I got. Scott, you don't know about this. Oh, I, I got to hear this. Go ahead, Ted. Yeah. Oh, so Shemaine, 
the Robin Hood with uh, all femininity included. Um, she was she wasn't getting any shots at deer. She texted me. She says, "There's a lot of squirrels out in front of me. Can I shoot one?" And <laughs> being a big fan of fricassee, <laughs> squirrels and biscuits and gravy. Come on, baby. I said, "Of course, shoot the damn squirrel." We're talking a squirrel, a a, a, a fox squirrel, a little I don't know, was he half a pound? And she drilled that squirrel on film for Ted Nugent's Spirit of the Wild TV on Pursuit Network for her Queen of the Forest uh, episodes. She drilled that squirrel with her Matthews bow and a gold tip barrel right through the right through the shoulder. As wow. As a, nice shooting, oh, Shumi. So these are the kind of things that we fight against. And I hope that people don't just listen to you, Scott, then nod their head and then go back into the status quo world. You bring them information they need to implement in their lives. And I don't want to be rude or discourteous to law enforcement or elected employees, but we need to be in charge. Because those who are in charge right now have abused their power, are creating regulations that make no sense whatsoever, and we need to push back. Absolutely. I think that's the biggest issue. And it's I, we as we talked earlier today, it's really timely, this whole piece, because I did set up those uh, couple of shows this, earlier this week in the whole principle that we have to get educated on our laws. We have to know our Constitution, understand as well what the Declaration of Independence is telling us. It's our government, not theirs. And then understand. God, here it is in a nutshell. And I, again, I think this is the ultimate example. I, I, I didn't go to college. I was too busy learning stuff. And my instincts are good. You know, Scott, I'm so cocky and I mean this. I could have landed on planet Earth bare naked with nothing. Never had gone to school, never been shown a document, never had read a book. And you know what I could have done? I could have wrote the Ten Commandments. Of course you shall not kill. Of course you shall not lie. Of course you shall not steal. I, I don't mean to be too cocky. I can't help myself. I could have wrote the Constitution. Yeah. I might not have been so flowery and eloquent, but I could have wrote the basic outline of what a free human being has rights. And we need to study these things. And here it is in a nutshell. I have, the Founding Fathers wrote down the First Amendment because it was the most egregious violation by the king. We, sh we should be able to speak our mind freely. Let's write it down. We should be able to choose our own religion. Write it down. We should be able to be free and secure from government intrusion. Write it down. We should be able to protest when the government fails to represent us accurately. Write it down. That's the First Amendment. The First Amendment is good on planet Earth or at least on the, on the soil of America. I'm going to say planet Earth. That's a God-given right for a human being. I have a First Amendment right on planet Earth, and I don't need paperwork, I don't need a license, and I don't need a permit. And eventually in the Constitution, it says any rights herein not enumerated are left up to the states, which is why the First Amendment is not left up to the states. It's an American right on American soil. With that irrefutable truism fresh on our minds, Let's move on to the Second Amendment now, shall we? I have the right to keep and bear arms from God while I am alive on planet Earth. No man has the authority to limit my capability to keep and bear arms anywhere, anytime, under any conditions. I do not need paperwork. I do not need a license. 
I do not need a permit. And it's good in every state, in every building, on every street corner, just like my First Amendment. But it's been infringed, and we have a long way to go to get it back. Yes, we do. And that's going to be the real fight. Because once you give something away, you don't get it back easily. And they're not willing to give it back easily. We start to I'm, well, people, go ahead, Scott. I want everybody listening to really take a deep breath and think. How did we ever abandon the premise of the Bill of Rights that these enumerated rights are not left up to the states? When was it? Right after Al Capone got rid of uh, full automatics from citizens because he was getting too much resistance from his victims. I mean, if you really look into it, that's what happened. Yeah. Um, how can how could a man? How could a how could a Chris Kobach, my dear friend, the new AG of Kansas? What a great constitutionalist, uh, Ted Cruz. What a great constitutionalist. How, how can they not stand up and go? Hang on a minute. This is a this is an American right. The states have no say in your Second Amendment right. Where are these guys? Now, again, I, I admire Ted Cruz. And Chris Kobach said, dear friend, we help get him elected. I get Ted Cruz elected. I do everything I can to get constitutionals elected. But where was that moment in time where we said, ah, I guess we can infringe it. Yeah, it says that shall not be infringed. But hey, what the hell? Let's infringe it. How, how could we bend over and allow that to happen? I think that's most most amazing to witness, and especially I will say for those that have deployed and come home, to watch as you know, I spent three and a half years in Afghanistan, and to come back and to see where we went in a relatively short amount of time, and worse yet is the the strength of the nation, which is our Christian and conservative foundation, to see how beat down it was. It's sad. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not putting that on people. It's just, but there has to be a willingness to stand up and say enough is enough and defy. And that's really where you provide so much spark and so much energy into that. And it's such a blessing to have that voice pushing so hard like you do, because people need to hear it. They really do. And I see a lot of, I see a lot of furrowed brows and some squinting and they turn their head to the side and you go, yeah, I never thought of that before <laughs> because <laughs> it makes so much sense. And you can't debate. I mean, Pierce Morgan tried to debate me on that. I had to eat his family tree and spit sawdust <laughs> in his face. Um, you try to debate me on the Second Amendment, and you're going to lose in a painful way. Because what I just articulated, who could possibly argue that the First Amendment is a God-given, guaranteed right? So is the Second and it says it's not up to the states, but now it's up to the states. Look what Illinois is doing. Right. Look what New York has done in New Jersey. And Oregon. And California. It, it, it's, it's, Scott, I get up in the morning since I graduated from high school. I My dad forced us to have a clean hanky, which I think is imperative, by the way. If you don't have a clean hanky, would you please start carrying one? You have to have a clean handkerchief. <laughs> I have to have a pocket knife and a belt tool. I have to have a bunch of guitar picks and I carry a couple of my challenge coins with me for to give away to the deserving. I've got reading glasses now. I got chapstick that has numerous uses. I have a, a, a folding knife. I have at least one handgun and either a couple of speed loaders or extra magazines. I just, I've never been without it. I, I And I use this stuff every day. 
I also carry ear protectors in my one pocket and my hearing aids in the other one <laughs> because there'll be times where I'm going to shoot and there'll be times where I need to hear. <laughs> um, so these are the, the, you know, they say that toxic masculinity, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm dangerously masculine and I'm not trying to prove my manhood. I don't have to, uh, but men should have tools on hand. And you saw this guy in Houston neutralize a violent a, a, a released monster by giving him some nines and, and, and stopping his uh, assault on all those customers in the Houston diner and Kyle Rittenhouse, good guys should win. And if you're unarmed and helpless, you're unarmed and helpless. And 25 Texans died in Luby's cafeteria because there was no such thing as a concealed. There was no such thing as a second amendment in Texas. Scott, I, I was astonished. You couldn't carry a gun in Texas. I'm going, so we're, we don't remember the Alamo. I mean, and finally we got rid of Ann Richards and we got a concealed weapons provision, which is absurd unto itself. That's what the second amendment is. But yep. if you're unarmed and helpless, you're unarmed and helpless. And Ted Nugent prays that you will never allow yourself to be unarmed and helpless because they're the engineered recidivism by our government and our failed justice system, the DOJ and all these courts, they are releasing monsters into our neighborhoods every hour of every day. And if you're unarmed and helpless, these monsters can't wait to take advantage of your unarmed and helpless self. That's so well said, Ted. It's absolutely true. And that's really coming down to this other part of this, that a well-armed citizenry is one of the greatest defenses against tyranny, right? The only. Absolutely. The only one, yeah. Uh, obviously, if we had real voting, that would be a, a hell of a, a, a ball work. But, uh, <laughs> that wouldn't be don't something. Have legal voting. Then I've so, got a uh, question from somebody in chat, if I can ask, and you may even want sure. to do a little rift. And this takes us back to some of your music. What was your inspiration for the song Terminus El Dorado? <laughs> what is that? What is a, it PG though, honey? Yeah, what a, <laughs> it's on a Fender six stream bait, but what a groove. Let's see him. What a funny storyline. It's about a couple young gals who are looking for a wild weekend and they took the keys to their daddy's Eldorado. I just, when I pick up my guitar, Scott, I've never had, there's no pencil and paper anywhere near my man cave, cuckoo's nest, arsenal of democracy, um, guitar orgy zone. I pick up the guitar and grooves and licks happen. And I just started singing about just off the cuff stream of consciousness, the uncharted, imagery about two young gals that wanted to have a crazy weekend took her daddy's eldorado out and they got a little too high do or die and they did not see the tandem gravel truck coming around the curve <laughs> too much fun no not no no not enough luck they didn't have time to swerve i can't believe i remember these lyrics <laughs> um and then the, the tandem gravel truck went into a four wheel uh, a 12 wheel drift and Got the girls in the Eldorado, and, um, and then there's a part of I go, uh oh, and the crows be pecking at your flesh. Um, I guess it was my my battle cry forever that drinking and driving is idiotic, getting drunk is idiotic, 
And the crows just might be pecking at your flesh if you don't adhere to that common sense. But what a great lick. <laughs> it was. You know, it, it's interesting. I don't p- think people really understand this part of Ted Nugent. And this is the part of Ted Nugent that I just think is beyond legend. You did your incur- entire career, even had that, you shared with me that conversation you had with Jimi Hendrix. You've not done drugs. You've not done alcohol. You just played. That's what's amazing. I, again, as a bow hunter, I I was so desperate to calm down and try to get close to a deer and kill it with a sharp stick. Um, it really is an instinctual survival flex, is it not? And when I'm watching all these, uh, it was before the hippies with the beatniks we played out for the University of Detroit and uh, Catholic Central um, uh, back in the mid-50s. And it was the beatniks, the Dobie Gillis and Maynard G. Krebs. Are you familiar with those terms? I yeah, a little bit. I'm in this. I'm not. Dobie as... Gillis and Maynard G. Krebs. They're beatniks, you know, the beret and the goatee. Yep. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and they were offering me these cigarettes that really smelled good, but I knew my dad would kick my ass if I smoked a cigarette, even though he smoked. Talk about parenting, um, and he also drank. Um, but I saw them just in a state of disjointed uh, zombieism. I mean, you know, the, the baggy eyes and the, the drooling and, and, and nodding out. And I go, well, that, that's not going to help me get a deer. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've been clean and sober my whole life. I've had a, I think I've had maybe four or five beers in my life. And I got to tell you, I, around the Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner table, my brothers and my sons and my daughters, uh, they drink a beer and a glass. I got, I have a glass of wine with Shemaine once in a while, a good red wine with venison. Um, so it's not I'm against alcohol. I'm against um, the lie that comfortably numb is actually uncomfortably dumb. A beer is way better for you than a Coca-Cola or a sugary drink uh, in most cases. Uh, but I knew that in order to, when I played with B.B. King, and when I played with Eddie Van Halen and Brian May and Billy Gibbons, and when I played with John Entwistle, and when I got up on stage and played bass for Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley, I wanted to absorb their essence. I didn't want to miss a lick. I want, and that's always how I've been. When I hung around with Fred Bear, I, I didn't want to miss a gesture. Fred Bear being the god of archery, god of bow hunting. Um, so I've always aspired to a higher level of awareness and drunk and high is just the opposite. So I avoided it like the plague, no drugs, no alcohol, no tobacco. Um, there's one more, but I'm not going to say, yeah. um, <laughs> no, uh, but, he but, says it on stage. Yes, <laughs> but but I and, and having good food and and taking care of your sacred temple. So yeah, I've always been clean and sober, which is why at seventy four I had the greatest tour of my life this year. The the energy was off the charts. I mean, but you know what? If if I may interject, being your wife of for course, almost thirty thirty four years now, our our anniversary is coming up. I've seen I, and met a lot of your friends, your peers, so called peers. But none of them have what you have with hunting. And I think, like you've always said, Jimmy went, Jimmy got high and Jimmy's dead. I went hunting and I'm still Ted. Yeah, that's that, a great statement. Like yes, saved, it is. I think that hunting has saved your life because Surely. it's given you an outlet. Everybody needs to have something. And I know, Scott, you farm and you deal with cattle and you plant. And people need to stop and sh- shut off the 
the concrete jungle warfare. Yeah, it's in and, the song, yeah. And yeah, and and really get back to being down to earth and back to our roots. Yeah, you know what you do and what I do and what the hunting, fishing, trapping, conservation, outdoorsmen, ranching farmers. Uh, and more and more people are learning. We especially see this manifested to its uh, most effective uh, impact uh, when we take uh, veterans who are suffering of sacrifice, legs and arm and skin and eyeballs, and a lot of them with uh, post-traumatic stress. Um, what we're talking about here in my hunting life is uh, the healing powers, the definitive healing powers of nature. Yes. Not as a spectator, not watching on the Discovery Channel, getting right now, right now my pants are covered in blood i mean I, I was hoping that this would be video a little bit so you could see his pants scott he just came in from hunting and there splatters of blood sometimes I, we'll go to a you know doctor's office or whatever and we're sitting in the lobby and i i'm looking at him going you realize you have splatters of blood and mud on your pants and your boots right well scott what the the ultimate we talked about this yes. backstage and i said if 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 Elvis Presley would have been a bow hunter and plunged his fists into a gut pile and cleaned his own food and understand where it comes from, he'd still be alive. He would have never let himself become a victim of the pharmaceutical assault team. I, I told Jimi Hendrix, I, I, I said, man, I, he offered me his drugs and some kind of pills. And John Belushi tried to get me to snort his cocaine. And it, it, I said, you got to be kidding me, guys. So the, what I do as a hunter, the ultimate compliment a person can get is down to earth. He's down. a lot of people say, hey, your son of the this weekend at the hunting camp, your son's really down to earth. He's really grounded. Well, what does that mean? It means you're in touch with the ground. It means you understand the earth like the uh, what was it? The um, uh, uh, uh the warrior, the gladiator, before he fought, he grabbed a piece of dirt. Yes. And reminded him that he's just part of the earth. And that's what I do. I gutted these deer tonight and I cleaned them up really good. And I uh, drained them and hung them in my cooler and cleaned off my knife. And uh, I, I, I kill my own food. I gut my own food. I butcher my own food. We plant our own gardens. Uh, I train my own dogs. I, down to earth and grounded. And that ultimately means hunting, fishing, trapping, farming, ranching, producing. So your fellow man can thrive. And that that's, that's the ultimate compliment. You are such a conservationist in an amazing way. And as I got to see that firsthand on your ranch and how much care you take towards your animals, the feeding of them, the, the keeping the balance in the herd. Talk a little bit about that because this is a side again of the Ted Nugent people don't know. Well, I, th I think, I think good people do know, like an interviewer recently said, well, what do you want people to think of you? And I go, I don't want to think anything. I said, people who know me and people that listen to my interviews and read my writings and, and listen to the lyrics of my songs. Um, there are good, honest people that look for truth. So the people that know me, they already they already love me. They tell me how they love me all the time, and I, I love good people back. But liars and haters, people on the View, um, they don't want to know the truth. They'll go listen to something in the Huffington Post that says uh, I'm a racist. Well, everybody knows I'm not a racist. They claim I'm a homophobe. Everybody knows I'm not a homophobe. They uh, claim I'm a pedophile. Everybody knows I'm not a pedophile. Never have been a pedophile. 
Um, and one guy says, well, what about your song, Jailbait? And I go, well, before we get into that, we should probably determine whether Eric Clapton shot the sheriff or not. Um, <laughs> so, much, so much stupidity out there. But I am a conservation. I'm a man of the ground. I'm a man of the earth. We put in food plots every year uh, to optimize the supportability, the sustainability of our land. Uh, we harvest the surplus so that they never damage the support habitat. Um, we are, the, the dogs love to squirrel hunt and Shemaine's a deadly squirrel killer. Uh, we hunt doves and we eat doves and we ducks and geese and rabbits. And I'm a man, I'm, I'm as close to sitting bull and Cochise and crazy horse as you can be in 2023. And there's tens of millions of Americans that still are the hunting license that we sold. And here's a, here's a important point. Uh, during the attempted communist Nazi shutdown of America based on the, uh, the engineered Wuhan virus, the weaponized Wuhan virus by the Chinese enemies, the communist Chinese and Nancy Pelosi and Dr. Fauci devil, um, the, during that attempt to hurt Americans and isolate us and not, and not allow us to be gregarious and, and in touch with our, our families and loved ones, more hunting and fishing licenses were sold than in a long, long time because those instincts to be self-sufficient and get back to a participating conservation ethic was strong. And it's still strong today. And I promoted it and celebrated it and preached it and, and, and encouraged it my whole life. We have a Ted Nugent camp for kids for 33 years now. It's a nonprofit 501c where we teach these kids hunt and fish and trap and um, how to su support themselves in an emergency outdoor situation or, a, or a, a, a weather catastrophe but mainly being clean and sober yes so that they can really have an american dream because you'll never have the real american dream if you're not clean and sober because you're going to miss out on a lot of important stuff Absolutely. I'm going to ask you one more question, a little story from you. Um, you rode a buffalo on stage, yes? <laughs> yes, that was a giant South Dakota bull bison between my legs, Scott. What's the point? <laughs> I want you to tell the story about it because I think it's awesome. It ties in with Shemaine, too. Well, you know, the, the American bison has always intrigued me because I've always, you know, in my song, My Bow and Arrow, the, the out course uh, states that I always played cowboys and Indians, but I was always the Indian because of my fascination with the mystical flight of the arrow and that that earthly, self-sufficient Native American lifestyle with the great spirit and the great white buffalo, that great song. And so I've hunted buffalo with the various tribes on their reservations and uh, said prayers uh, to have a clean kill and said prayers when the beast is dead. And we burned the sweet grass around its carcass uh, to fortify its spirit for eternity. Um, I understand these things. I understand these legends. I understand these religions. I understand these spiritual um, uh, 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 maneuvers and beliefs. And so I've hunted buffalo. I've eaten buffalo. Um, I've raised buffalo on our Sunrise Acres in Michigan. Um, and I know a lot of buddies that do raise buffalo. By the way, there's more buffalo right now than there's been in over 150 years. There's buffalo wherever buffalo can live in America. There's thriving herds of them on private and public lands and Native American reservations. Well, we went to a, a, a celebrity governor's hunt in South Dakota one year with my buddy Bruce Call, the National Field Archery Association. Uh, 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 governor Mickelson 
I think his I think it was John Mickelson. Was it John? John Mickelson, who died shortly after in a tragic airplane crash. And we hunted pheasants with the governor and a bunch of uh, other uh, supporters. And uh, for the entertainment at the uh, the banquet that night, old Jerry Jerry Lawson or um, no. um Jerry was his first name. Jerry came in riding this big buffalo. His name was Chief. Just giant one ton buffalo. I'm going, what well, that is. I've eaten buffalo. I've revered buffalo, but man, that guy's riding one. <laughs> and and old Jerry, um, he got Chief to do some uh, tricks uh, where Chief would literally push him across the floor with his head, which is their defense mechanism. They'll kill you with their head. But Jerry had raised Chief from a calf and connected with it and, and, and uh, identified with it. Um, lifting it up and carrying it until it got to be too heavy and really bonded with it. Well, as I saw Jerry riding that buffalo, he used to do uh, presentations at rodeos and, and different uh, conservation and Native American events. And I said to Jerry when he came up, because he wanted to meet me, I said, is there any way that I could ride chief? And he goes, I don't think so. Nobody can really get next to him because a, a buffalo, all he has to do is flinch his head and you're shish kebobbed. I mean, they're, they're just powerful, uh, lightning faster than the eye can see animals. And I said, all right. I said, but if you think there's any chance that we can make it happen. So Jerry thought about it and he called me. He goes, you know what, Ted? I'm doing some Midwestern uh, shows with Chief. Let, us, let me come by your Michigan farm and let's see if we can't acclimate you two. Long story short, we acclimated. <laughs> and I, it, was a, it was a beautiful snowy day. It just a, all my fields and my, my, my terrain was covered in snow. And after I fed chief and he allowed me to pet him and Jerry was there with me and I was able to get real close and let chief sniff me and muzzle me. Um, and Jerry says, you know, he's accepting you. He likes you. So we got this big box and I got up in the box and I got up on top of chief. And he goes, I think this is going to work. Now, just ride him like a horse, but give him a little extra rain. You don't want to pull back on him. <laughs> Piss off. Um, well, there I was galloping across the snowfield on my buffalo. Well, Scott, I don't care what kind of apparatus uh, Alice Cooper has or the Rolling Stones have or anybody or, or David Lee Roth has. I'm sorry. Nobody's come close to riding a buffalo. I would get on that giant Buffalo backstage in Detroit and in Chicago and all across the country. And we'd have this thunderous drum attack and the feedback and the lights, the, the Birdland is roaring like a pissed off Tasmanian devil, just screeching. And this was the big test because it was really hyper loud and thunderous. Well, I straddled chief and I reined him out and there's video footage of this on YouTube and we show it on the intro of my uh, Ted Nugent Real America's Voice every week. And we show it on Spirit of the Wild, too. And I rode this magnificent buffalo on stage, and people didn't know what the hell to make of it. <laughs> it, was, it, it was so indicative of the, the image, the beast of my music. My music is a sonic beast in many cases. It's dynamic. It's loud. It's heavy. It's thunderous. And that pretty much describes the great American bison, which doesn't run away from a storm. It looks for storms. It likes storms. It heads straight into a storm. The worse the blizzard, the more the bison will head straight into it, 
head first. I like that. So can I tell the story? I think Scott, Chicago, Scott yeah. Would, yeah, the story I think we shared with you, Scott, yes. where, okay, so in between Ted riding the Buffalo on our property in Michigan and on stage at the House of Blues in Chicago, we had to get Chief onto the stage. How do you do that? Well, you have to put him in an elevator, service Scott, elevator. a service elevator. So Ted and Chief and Chief's trainer, Jerry, and Rocco, Rocco was young at the time, and I got into the service elevator with Chief the Buffalo. And I'm thinking, <laughs> as the doors are closing, I'm going, what could go wrong? <laughs> now, I want to tell you, you know, you've seen the old, the old TV show, uh, Animals Gone Wild. Yes, where have. they have an elephant or a bear trainer or a lion trainer, all of a sudden the animal gets pissed off and starts eating the trainer. And of course, then the police respond with their 38s. Well, that's just stupid. I mean, if you're going to have an elephant and even even if he's well trained, I would recommend you have an elephant gun nearby. And if you're going to have a grizzly bear doing <laughs> tricks in a circus, I recommend you have at least a 375 H&H in case he snaps. Well, when I rode chief, I can't, I carry a 10 millimeter everywhere I go, but when I rode chief, I carried my Glock 10 millimeter with Corbon 190 grain penetrators, which are armor piercing <laughs> rounds. So if chief ever snapped and jeopardized my beloved audience, I would make a show out of his demise, shall we say. Um, so, so I was, I used the term cocked, locked and ready to rock the Glock around the clock, Dr. Spock, but I was prepared. I'm not going to let this animal go wild and hurt anybody. If he looks like he's going to leap off the stage and start goring people, I'm going to shoot him in the back of the head and we'll have him for a barbecue. <laughs> That's totally awesome. Well, and I'm, I'm sure it was an epic concert. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the people's eyeballs, they, it was just sheer shock when they saw Ted Nugent coming out on this map. By the way, he'd sway his head and the snot would be flying. And with the lights of the light show, the snot kind of glowed. And went, you know, Cecil B. DeMille wishes he could come up with special effects like that. Oh, absolutely. That's that's awesome. Well, Shemaine, would you like to do the prayer tonight? Because we always close with the prayer. Well, thank yes. you. I would love that. Yeah, thank you, Scott. I'd like to say, if I may. Absolutely. Goddess of prayers. But it's not just words that make a prayer. You and I, our dialogue tonight with Shemaine, focusing on the good, recommending how to be better, identifying the importance, the imperative of putting our heart and soul into taking this country back, these are all prayers. When you open the door for a lady at the grocery store and help her with the groceries, that's a prayer. When you see someone broke down on the side of the road and you help them out, that's a prayer. So I'd like to leave these, if I may, Absolutely. Own guitar player, conduct. We need to be more loving, more conscientious, more caring, more forgiving, more supportive, and, and and show in our very acts a new return to an American neighborly kindness. Just being kind is a prayer. I think that's beautiful. Wow, it's awesome. Thank you, Ted. That was really good. Well, um, would you like me to go? Absolutely. Go. Okay. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come together and 
for Ted to share his stories here on Bards FN with Scott and with so many people, some of whom are going through difficult times. And we hope that this is entertaining and enlightening. And we call on you, Father God, to guide us, to guide our steps, to help us to remember Esther 414, that we were made for a time such as this. And listening to Ted's stories, while they are fun and wonderful, there are also some trying times that we all have had. And one thing that I know that Ted does, and I know, Scott, you have done and so many others have done, is that we keep moving forward. And during these difficult times, we must keep moving forward and keep our eyes focused on God. We thank you so much for your sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for your grace. And we ask for an extra dose of wisdom and discernment to continue to walk in your light. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Shemaine. Ted, I'm going to ask if you want to do a rift in the end going out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. Well, we've had some. We've, I've been monitoring the chat. We've had a lot of requests, Ted. Dog Eat Dog was one. Yeah. Fred, Fred Bear was another. Well, Dog Eat Dog is a love song. So. <laughs> great lick i love that lick that's and of awesome. course the fred bear song was a spontaneous love song to a great man who everybody loved and when he died in april of 1988 um i sat down and i just started this lick <laughs> love playing that guitar oh there. man that is one of my favorite of yours right there that is awesome well, uh, thank you very much well scott carry on man you're doing god's work stay on a true north compass setting thank you everybody listening tonight i know there's a lot of love out there and i feel the spirit i feel the energy and the the attitude that stands up for god family country constitution bill of rights ten commandments golden rule declaration of independence law and order being the best that you can be life liberty and the pursuit of happiness so let's raise more hell and demand constitutional accountability from our elected employees. Here we had the most heartbreaking, treacherous event in Waco, Texas, an epicenter of conservatism, where perverted fat men dressed up like female prostitutes had a public crotch twerking event to children 
in Waco, Texas, and it was supported by Tractor Supply and Target and our pool company, who we immediately fired. But we, when we see treachery, we need to speak out against it and hold those that dare to support such treachery accountable. It's easy to do, and it's long overdue. So let's take this country back one neighborhood at a time. Absolutely. God bless you, Ted. Thank you, Shemaine. God bless you as well. You've just, you two are you, just wonderful, wonderful part of the whole Bards family. So thank you very much. Thank you. Godspeed. God bless real America. God bless. Happy birthday, buddy. <laughs> thank yeah, you, happy Ted. Birthday. Happy birthday. Well, thank you. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. Thank you very much. God bless now. Patriots, that was epic. The legendary Ted, Uncle Ooh. Ted Nugent. Incredible. And and with the wonderful Shemaine, just such, they've become such good friends. And I'm just deeply honored that of all days, uh, Ted reached out to ask to be on the show tonight. So, what a great show. What an amazing uh, conversation, and I hope you really enjoyed it. Like we always say, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us, and in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time in this place for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy 
the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 